From the Great Jarmuthan District Talking Newspaper Association, hello and welcome to Grapevine. This is Volume 41, Number 20, for week ending Friday the 21st of May, 2021. This week's news includes our local Covid update, the area's river railway bridges are having a once-in-a-hundred-year update. The railways themselves are heading for a massive shake-up. And Regent Road becomes a wind farm. Hi, I'm Graham, your presenter. And joining me this week is Margaret, your newsreader, who also has a piece from Keith Skipper, but starts off with the first part of the news. I'm Margaret, bringing you this week's news and a piece by Keith Skipper on harvest times of his boyhood. Now looking out at my soggy garden, I just want to shout, rain, rain, go away, come again another day. Oh dear, (laughs) never mind. So if you're sitting comfortably, I'll begin. Norfolk and Waveney passes 1 million COVID jab milestone. 1 million coronavirus jabs have been given out in Norfolk and Waveney since the vaccination programme began, new figures have revealed. Fresh statistics published by NHS England on May the 20th showed that over 1 million doses have been administered since December. During the latest seven-day period, up to May the 16th, Another 59,261 people across the area received either their first or second shots. It represents an improvement on last week when 53,705 attended appointments. One marked difference from the latest data is the steep rise in first doses given out, more than doubling from 9,106 to 22,804. A reduction in supplies throughout April meant second vaccines largely had to be prioritised, as demonstrated by the week ending April 11th, when just 2,657 patients had their initial jabs. But since May the 12th, text messages have been sent to millions of people in their mid to late 30s, encouraging them to book appointments. Norfolk and Waveney Health and Care Partnership continues to boast an impressive record when it comes to administering first doses and had risen back into the top five out of 43 health systems in England. Overall, 627,011 or 73.6% of the adult population have been for a vaccine, the third best vaccination rate in the country. Another 36,457 people went for second jabs in the seven days up to May the 16th, meaning 380,680, that's 44.7% in Norfolk and Waveney are now fully vaccinated. That is the fifth best rate in England, with Somerset still topping the pile 
on 48.2%. Earlier this week, it was revealed the rollout was suffering from some notable disparities in Norfolk and Suffolk, with vaccination rates in parts of Great Yarmouth, Ipswich and Kings Lynn among the areas worst. A number of neighbourhoods in the three towns consistently rank poorly when it comes to the percentage of each age group to receive their first jab. Across 200 areas of Norfolk and Suffolk, figures showed Yarmouth Parade at the very bottom of the pile for five different age groups. The worrying statistics emerged amid increasing concern over the spread of the Indian strain of the virus. More police on streets for first weekend after further restrictions lifted. More police will hit the streets of Norfolk next week for the first weekend after restrictions were lifted further on May the 17th. Norfolk police urged the public to remain cautious after pubs and restaurants were allowed to reopen indoors. Indoor venues such as cinemas, children's play areas and holiday accommodation also reopened after being closed for more than five months, although restrictions such as mask wearing, social distancing and the rule of six still apply. Temporary Assistant Chief Constable Julie Wentz said, We expect people to take full advantage of this next step in easing restrictions and will simply ask people to enjoy themselves but to do so safely and sensibly, following the instructions of staff at any premises. Louise Smith, Director of Public Health for Norfolk said, we've been living with lockdown restrictions for some time and I know many people will want to go out and celebrate their easing, but it is vital we all do so carefully. If we want to see more restrictions lifted, we have to keep the spread of the virus low and that means being cautious, being responsible and respecting social distancing. Councillor fined after hitting pedestrians with car wing mirror. A Norfolk Borough Councillor has been fined after injuring two pedestrians while driving. Brian Lorne had been charged with driving without due care and attention following the collision in Caister on August the 10th last year. The 74-year-old did not attend Ipswich Magistrates Court on Thursday, May the 20th for the hearing, but had previously submitted a guilty plea to the court. The court heard how Mr Lorne, a fairway caster, had been driving his Mercedes 250 on Beach Road when he swerved into a group of between six and eight people walking at around 11.30am. He clipped one of the group with his wing mirror before hitting a second person with the body of his car, causing the duo minor injuries, including bruising and discomfort. Mr Lorne, a Conservative councillor for the Caister South Ward in Great Yarmouth Borough Council, had a clean driving licence prior to the incident, the court heard. A statement sent to the court by Mr Lorne with his guilty plea said, I would like to apologise for my actions and for the embarrassment I've caused my family and myself. It all happened very quickly, but it was a genuine mistake and one I will never forget. Witness statements claimed Mr Lorne stopped only once, alerted by the collision by passers-by. Although he told the court he was looking for a safe space to stop, 
and said it would have been foolish for him to drive away with so many witnesses. The case had initially been listed at Great Yarmouth Magistrates Court in February, but was moved to Ipswich because of Mr Lorne's past stint as a Justice of the Peace, as well as his friendship with several members of the Norfolk Magistrates bench. Magistrates in Ipswich fined Mr Lorne £318 and ordered him to pay a victim surcharge of £34 and court costs of £110. They also imposed six penalty points on his licence. Seaside theme park Pips Alton Towers to International Award. An event which brought screams to a Norfolk seafront attraction has seen off competition from Alton Towers to claim an award at the International Tourism Horror Oscars. Fairground Frights debuted at Great Yarmouth Pleasure Beach in Halloween 2020 and has won the Best Scare Zone and Roman Characters category at ScareCon, the European awards for companies that worked within the scare industry. The event also came runner-up in the Best Halloween Scare Experience and Best New Event Stroke Traction categories. In the lead up to October 31st, the event had a host of sinister characters haunt the rides, accompanied by light projections and a ghostly soundtrack of Halloween hits. Fairground Frights won Best Scare Zone slash Roaming Characters beating Alton Towers, Chessington World of Adventure and Twycross Zoo. The success has prompted the Great Yarmouth Pleasure Beach team to confirm Fairground Frights will return from October the 27th to the 31st this year, with tickets going on sale soon. Aaron Jones, the park's marketing director, said, Our efforts to host ghosts and create frights on the site proved hugely popular with visitors. We worked with some great performers and highly creative people to make fairground frights a fantastic experience and being nominated for ScareCon is a great reward for our four nights of fear last year. We launched it as a way of showcasing the Pleasure Beach in the autumn and also providing a host of Halloween thrills. ScareCon judges said they were really impressed by the atmosphere created during the debut event. A spokesman for the judges said, the roaming actors would scare relentlessly and nowhere was safe within the park. The seasonal makeovers of the Fun Factory and the Haunted Hotel added to the experience creating a fun and scary Halloween night out. The event also proved to be a huge hit, with some evenings selling out completely. Mr Jones added, We want to say a huge thanks to all of our amazing customers who came along. We could not have done it without them and we're looking forward to bringing it back later this year. Tickets for the 2021 Fairground Frights will be on sale soon at the Great Yarmouth Pleasure Beach website. Concerns over divide in vaccine rates. What's the situation where you live? Covid vaccination rates in parts of Kings Lynn, Great Yarmouth and Ipswich are among Norfolk and Suffolk's worst and continue to fall far below the national average. 
A number of neighbourhoods in the three towns consistently rank poorly when it comes to the percentage of each age group to receive their first jab. Across 200 parts of Norfolk and Suffolk, latest figures show Yarmouth Parade is at the very bottom of the pile for five different age groups. The area has seen 87.3% of its 75 to 79 year olds get initial doses compared to 99.5% in the best performing area of Rickinghall, Walshamley Willows and Gislingham in Mid-Suffolk. It is way off the pace for younger groups, with only 63.9% of its 50 to 54 year old population going to vaccination appointments thus far. That compares to a table topping 94.9% in the broadland area of Coltishall, Buxton and Frettenham, with 94.3% in Harleston and Pullham. The worrying statistics have emerged amid increasing concern over the spread of the Indian strain of the virus. But Tracy Williams, an advanced nurse practitioner who works with Norfolk and Waveney Clinical Commissioning Group, NWCCG, on tackling inequalities, said health teams are working around the clock to get everyone on a level playing field. Overall, we're doing really well, but we do know there are gaps in areas which might suffer from increased deprivation, added Mrs Williams. It might be a struggle for people to get appointments. There might be social economic reasons, or perhaps there is some hesitancy. We don't want places to feel like they are being left behind. So what we will do in these cases is ask, what vaccination opportunities can we offer and how can we support people? After dedicating much of its focus in recent weeks to Great Yarmouth, with walk-in clinics and its vaccination bus, NWCCG will turn its attention to Kings Lynn in the coming days. Having the bus at Marine Parade in Yarmouth went really well, and we learned a lot from the flexible appointments, said Mrs Williams. We've even done some knocking on doors, which we're going to replicate, but it's about doing it in a positive way, with community champions who can answer questions about hesitancy. One thing we're doing at the moment is going out to factory sites. Norfolk has a large migrant workforce who do long shifts and cannot always access vaccination centres. We often find with migrant workers that if some are hesitant, others are the same. But on the other hand, it works the same way. One goes for a vaccine and others will follow. Mercedes badge or shooting star? Confusion over town's new light display. Great Yarmouth's main tourism thoroughfare will soon be lit up with a new display, but not everyone is sure what it represents. Engineers are putting the finishing touches to dozens of installations spanning the length of Yarmouth's Regent Road. The symbols are being billed as a brilliant way to welcome back tourists when the switch is flicked at the end of this month ahead of the bank holiday. They replace a canopy of lights, 
which saw 60,000 tiny bulbs create a year-round festive atmosphere, but after 17 years had lost their sparkle. Instead, the new scheme, which runs from the Temple Road end of Regent Road all the way to Marine Parade at a cost of £102,301, celebrates the town's burgeoning wind energy sector with a series of turbine blades especially designed for the town. People wandering in the street said they were unsure what the design was supposed to be, some suggesting they looked like the Mercedes badge or ninja stars. Some said they looked like children's twirling windmills and others hit on the correct interpretation of wind farm blades, although they doubted visitors would understand the significance and said they would have preferred a more traditional seaside theme. At Dockra's rock shop, Margaret Dockra said she wasn't sure if they were frisbees or shooting stars. Finally agreeing with Vanessa Catchman, they were wind farm blades. Despite the confusion, both agreed they would look nice when lit up, although Mrs Cashman suggested more variety instead of the same repeated symbol, might have been more fun. Further along, stallholder Bill Porter was enthusiastic about the scheme, which would likely bring more people along the street after dark, he said. He said there would be more to look at and that the prospect of something new would draw the people to the area. He applauded the wind farm theme, adding, it is a good idea. It represents the town and its industry. I'm looking forward to them going on and people might stop a bit longer. The new wind farm theme display is said to be more robust than the giant twinkling net. In a statement, Great Yarmouth Borough Council said, the original ceiling of lights was installed back in 2004 and after 17 years it had reached the end of its serviceable life. The investment from our Town Deal Award from Government represented the opportunity to add to and also replace existing decorative lighting features. The new lighting installation on Regent Road features a wind turbine blade design which is a symbol of the renewable energy sector and industry Great Yarmouth is leading. Once commissioned, the more robust lighting scheme will be better able to withstand the elements of East Coast wind and will link the seafront to the town centre. It went on, the new lighting installation on Regent Road, as well as the existing lighting on King Street, will be fully operational by Friday, May the 28th, which will be a brilliant way to welcome residents and visitors back to our borough this bank holiday. The cost of this installation was £102,301. The scheme is part of a package of long-term investments in the borough's outdoor lighting, illuminations, experimental trails and events, made possible by a town deal grant of 750000 from central government to support the borough's recovery and improve the visitor experience during 2021-22. stroke these lights were specifically designed for Great Yarmouth. The turbines and frames alternate in colour 
between gold and silver and being illuminated with white and warm white LED lamps. The lights are not currently solar powered as it cannot be guaranteed this would illuminate the units, especially during the winter months. Now something lighter now. It's a piece written by Keith Skipper called Skips Aside, taken from the EDP. And he writes, When I was a lad, anniversaries meant a packed chapel, visiting preacher, sporting dinner plate buttonhole, recitations on crumbled paper behind your back in case of emergencies, and handsome collection towards the annual seaside outing. We had the odd Coronation Street party, Jubilee tea, Thanksgiving supper to mark end or start of a new blackberry picking season and birthday party to put on a blindfold and pin the tail on the donkey. Generally though, we had sauntered along as willing hostages to the rolling seasons, calling hold G at harvest time, hold hard at closing time and wondering why we couldn't find the white snow plough when the winter winds blew and cut us off from the rest of the world. We had to make our own amusements, hence a liking for white snow ploughs, loosely tethered goats on the green, inkwells alive with frog spawn, collapsible bicycle seats, swivelling signposts to confuse the Vikings and intruders from beyond Litcham, and a smoking tortoise stove in the chapel to shorten sermons. Oh yes, there was the odd slice of tomfoolery to welcome Jack Valentine, when parcels attached to bits of string were whisked away from the step as soon as the intended love of your village life opened the door. Harmless rural fun to complement regular rhythms of a Norfolk largely at ease with itself. Many communities were small and closely knit, tied to the land and eternal secrets of bountiful hedgerows. Genuine satisfaction resulted in knowing where the fun came from. No question of the wrong person finishing up in the stocks or a barrel of rotten apples behind the pub. Banishment to a disused hut on the old aerodrome simply got you out of chores for a whole day in summer. Times change. Country life has lost much of its spontaneity, while demands for it to be revived are on the increase. New villages, often drawn by ancient tales of rustic rituals designed to keep indigenous folk amused before satellite dishes, orienteering and real ale, are digging up anniversaries by the cartload. I hear Arts Council backing is being sought for the revival of Soak the Suffragette Hay, a big favourite at Ludwardian country house gatherings. Drench the Wench Week at the church fete can't be quite the same. Oh, those were the days. And I guess that Skip took us back to the 50s with his memories. So I'm just reminding you of what we were listening to in the 50s. We had Elvis Presley, Don't Be Cruel, Bill Haley, Rock Around the Clock, and Sheb Woolley, Purple People Eater. What earth was that all about? <laughs> Well, I saw the thing coming out of the sky. It had a one long horn and 
one big guy like a Mr. Shaking in the city. It looks like a purple people eater to me. It was a one-eyed, one-horn flying purple people eater. One-eyed, one-horn flying purple people eater. A one-eyed, one-horn flying purple people eater sure looks strange to me. One-eyed. Oh, well, he came down to earth and he lit in the tree. I said, Mr. Purple People Eater, don't eat me. I heard him say in a voice so gruff. It was a one-eyed, one-horned, flying purple people eater. One-eyed, one-horned, flying purple people eater. One-eyed, one-horned, flying purple people eater. Sure looks strange to me. One-horned. I said, Mr. Purple People Eater, what's your line? He said, eating purple people and it sure is fine. But that's not the reason that I came to land. Bless my soul, rock and roll, flying purple people eater. Pigeon toed under gold, flying purple people eater. He wears short shorts. Friendly little people eater. What a sight to see. Oh! And then he swung from the tree and he lit on the ground. And he started to rock, really rocking around. It was a crazy ditty with a swing and tune. Sing a bop, bop, a boop, a lap, a loom, bam, boom. Bless my soul, rock and roll, flying purple people eater. Pigeon toed under gold, flying purple To see. Well, he went on his way, and then oh, what do you know? I saw him last night on a TV show. He was blowing it out, really knocking him dead. Playing rock and roll music through the horn in his head. Well, Margaret did ask what the purple people eater was all about. Sheb Woolley there. OK, it's time for News the Second. 100-year-old swing bridges to be upgraded in £5.5 million scheme. Three historic swing bridges in Norfolk and Suffolk are set to be refurbished as part of a £5.5 million programme of works. Network Rail are set to renew and refurbish the existing electrical and mechanical parts of three swing bridges to keep services running and prevent disruption at the ports and marinas. The internal components at Oldham Broad, Summerleyton and Reedham swing bridges haven't been replaced in more than a hundred years, but they have been repaired frequently costing over £100,000 a year to maintain. So, from early next year, a programme of works will begin, with internal upgrades made as part of a £5.5 million scheme. Work will start on the bridges at Reedham and Summerleyton in February 2022, with rail replacement buses in operation. The works on all three structures is expected to be completed by summer 2023. Network Rail will replace the winch system, hydraulic jacks and pipework, lighting across the bridges and install a new power system. They say that this will make the structures easier to maintain for 25 years, saving up to a combined £7.5 million in future costs. 
survey work had already been completed with network rail using drones to allow engineers to complete the surveys in a number of hours with the railway still operating. Ellie Burrows, Network Rail's route director for Anglia said, these bridges are an important part of our railway heritage and also an important part of keeping both rail and boat traffic moving. Renewing the components will reduce the risk of mechanical problems and help keep services running safely, smoothly and reliable for our passengers, as well as maintaining access to the ports and marinas. The use of drones to complete survey work is a great example of how we're innovating to keep the railway running with minimised risk to our staff, minimised disruption for passengers and at reduced cost for taxpayers. Jamie Burles, Greater Anglia Managing Director added, this work will make our Norwich and Ipswich to Lowestoft lines even more reliable, which I know our customers will welcome. While the work is going on, we will make sure customers can still complete their journeys with a rail replacement bus service. Seafront Cat Cafe with a joyous vintage vibe. Vinyl records, teak sideboards and the kind of clutter that filled our homes of yesteryear mingles with moggies on Great Yarmouth's busy seafront. Darling Darling's Vintage Cat Lounge has reopened in bigger, brighter premises on the Golden Mile with its squad of feline friends and volunteer staff. On its first opening day on Tuesday, May the 18th, it enjoyed a flurry of bookings and walk-ins with people keen to see for themselves the transformation that has been underway since December. With new recruit Stanley on board, there are now four cats waiting to be petted, including Teddy the Tabby, Maverick the Hairless Sphinx and Three-Legged Coconut, who was caught in an illegal trap in Caister. For project owner Caroline Graham, the cafe, an oasis for all things vintage, is a passion that combines all her biggest loves, including helping people the cafe having a strong therapy ethos. Getting through the first day had been a relief, buoyed by the positive comments from customers who were transported back in time, thanks to themed areas spanning the 50s, 60s, 70s and 80s, she said. It means people can sit on retro furniture and flick through smash hits and look in or hear an old LP crackle into life on a record player while enjoying the company of cats. It all came about when having worked in education with vulnerable adults, the 39-year-old gave up work to care for her terminally ill father. With his blessing, she resolved to give the cat Kathy a go, soon outgrowing its home in Howard Street South, where it started off with just one cat, Teddy. To ease both the humans and the cats back into work after such a long time away, she made sure to keep a lid on numbers inside the cafe. We have got four cats, but for us it is the therapy side and it's about quality, not quantity, she said. We're hoping to have another rescue by the end of the year, 
but we need to get our feet on the ground here first. Summer opening hours are 10am to 4pm every day except Monday, with bookings being taken as far ahead as January 2022. The cats have access to a human-free zone and go home to Caister every night. Riverside Road closed after sinkhole opens up. A road with a history of sinking has been closed after a hole opened up in the carriageway. Riverside Road in Galston runs directly alongside the River Yare, where erosion and tidal wash are an issue. Norfolk County Council has placed barriers around the hole, said to be around two foot deep, and closed the road. A spokesperson for the authority said, Unfortunately, tidal wash has again undermined a small section of Riverside Road in Galston. The road will be temporarily closed while we assess the damage and make necessary repairs. We will continue to work with other agencies to help address the longer term river wall issue at this location. Jason Silum, who lives in Galston, said it needs looking into. That's the second hole that's opened up just yards from the previous hole. People on social media said they always avoided the road, tagging it as dangerous, especially where water had nibbled away at the edge like cliff erosion. The temporary closure order runs until June the 2nd. Vaccine clinic extended as extra jabs become available. Queues formed and a walk-in clinic was extended for more than two hours as extra vaccine stock became available. NHS staff vaccinated 600 people at the Louise Hamilton Centre in Gorston James Paget University Hospital after the Trust announced it had extra stock available for priority groups. As well as queuing on Tuesday before the first clinic opened at 7am, people turned up in even larger numbers on Monday evening, with vaccinations continuing beyond 8pm to around 10.30pm to meet demand. A spokesman said more than 600 vaccinations in total were given at the two clinics, so an excellent response from the local community, who queued safely and patiently to receive their vaccination, and a great effort by the vaccination team. Being vaccinated gives you the best protection from becoming seriously ill if you contract COVID-19. So we encourage everyone who has offered the vaccine to take up the offer as soon as possible. People gather in the street for funeral of local legend. There were touching scenes in Hopton-on-Sea as people lined the streets clapping to honour the life of a local mechanic. Over 40 people, some wearing the shirt of the mechanic's favourite football team, were outside St Margaret's Church to celebrate the life of Howard Shep Shepherdson. Mr Shepherdson's coffin was followed by 30 of his family and close friends as the hearse made its way from Station Road towards St Margaret's Church in Hopton. Mr Shepherdson's coffin also had flashing blue lights on top, 
highlighting the sense of humour he had in life. Current COVID restrictions state that no more than 30 people may attend a funeral. So the gathering on the street was a way people could show their appreciation to Mr Shepherdson. The Norfolk Arsenal Supporters Club stood a guard of honour as Mr Shepherdson was carried into St Margaret's Church by his son Aaron Shepherdson, nephew Adam Shepherdson and best friends David Ellison and Andrew Clifford. The mechanic, who was also the owner of Galston's Save and Drive, died aged 59 on Friday, April the 16th. Mr Shepherdson passed away after a 17-month battle with pancreatic cancer. Childhood friend Glenn Harmon said, Shep was an absolute nightmare, but in the funny sense. Back in the day, Howard sorted out the first coach trip from our school, Greenacre, to go to Highbury Stadium for the day. It was the first time I went and it was a great day, a great experience. Howard would always put a lot of trouble and effort into doing things like that. Mr Shepherdson's funeral was finished off with Anthony Walsh flying over the ceremony doing Loop the Loops. Norfolk High School appoints new principal after a difficult year. And Norfolk High School has appointed a new head teacher as its outgoing principal heads to another academy within the same trust. Flake High Ormiston Academy in Martham will start the autumn term in September with Jane Bennett at the helm. Mrs Bennett joins the school from Ormiston Rivers Academy in Essex where she has served as vice-principal since 2015, replacing Kate Williams who heads across the border to Suffolk after three years leading FLEG. A languages teacher with significant senior leadership experience, Mrs Bennett also worked as a senior assistant head teacher at the Hertfordshire and Essex High School. A statement said she was instrumental in setting up and leading one of the first 100 national teaching schools and is excited to bring her wealth of experience and insight to the role at Flegg High. Kate Williams is moving on to join Ormiston Dean's Academy in Lowestoft as principal at the end of the summer term. Mrs Bennett said, I'm delighted to be joining the fantastic team at Flegg High and look forward to working closely with the whole community. Thanks in part to my experience with another school in the OAT family, I entirely understand the vision and values we all share and I'm determined to continue the brilliant work done by Kate Williams in leading the school. It has undeniably been a difficult year for everyone in education but I think we can all look towards the future with real optimism and I'm excited to get underway. Nick Hudson, CEO for Ormiston Academies Trust said, Jane has a fantastic track record of success and I'm confident she will be able to use this experience and enthusiasm to continue Flake High's positive upwards trajectory. I would like to thank Kate for her superb work as head of Fleck High and look forward to seeing the positive changes I'm sure she will make when she begins work with Ormiston Deans.
Classic Car Festival cancelled, but will return bigger and better. A popular Great Yarmouth Classical Car Festival has been postponed until 2022 to ensure it will come back full throttle. The Wheels Festival, organised by Great Yarmouth Borough Council and the Wheels Steering Group, is one of the largest of its kind in the region and usually takes up to a year to plan. The pandemic and associated restrictions have cut the lead times for planning festivals for this year and organisers are still waiting for the national guidance around how large festivals could be held safely from June the 21st. Carl Smith, leader of Great Yarmouth Borough Council said, while it's sad, we hope most people will understand that planning, promoting and delivering a great festival of this size takes a certain amount of lead time. The landscape for festival planning has been very uncertain over this last year and remains so for the biggest events as we await the outcomes and guidance from the government's event pilots. Wheels delivers well for visitors and the local economy because it's unticketed and unenclosed, with the whole seafront being the event space and people moving around freely between the exhibits and businesses. Mr Smith has said it would be better to plan ahead for 2022 so the festival can return full throttle rather than going ahead with the festival this summer at short notice. Wheels co-founder Michael Cole of Joyland and the American Diner said, the COVID situation unfortunately means there simply isn't enough time or certainty for planning an event of this magnitude for the summer. And if we tried then it wouldn't look like wheels, wouldn't be as large or enjoyable or bring the benefits for business and the resort. Wheels will return, bigger and better in 2022. But for 2021, Joyland and the American Diner are working with the East Coast Pirates car enthusiasts to bring COVID-safe car meetups every first and third Sunday of each month throughout the summer, as well as special events on July the 4th and September the 4th and 5th. So there is still plenty to look forward to, both this year and next. <laughs>
bit predictable, I'll admit. Joe Loss and Wheels following the cancellation of the local festival of the same name. And memories, for those of a certain age, of the musical Muscle Man. Can you remember his name, though? Answer at the end. Third part of the news, right away. Maritime Festival cancelled amid uncertainty over Covid restrictions. Fans of all things maritime have been dealt a blow, with the announcement that a town's annual festival dedicated to the sea has been cancelled for 2021. Organisers of Great Yarmouth's long-standing maritime festival blamed uncertainty around Covid-19 restrictions and the festival's reliance on people from across the UK and Europe to stage the September event. Lyndon Bevan, chair of organisers Visit Great Yarmouth, said, It is with regret we've had to cancel the 2021 Great Yarmouth Maritime Festival. Social distancing rules would make it incredibly challenging for visitors to enjoy it. We also rely on a number of exhibitors and participants from across the UK and Europe, which would make the usual events programme very difficult due to travel restrictions. He said Visit Great Yarmouth was still supporting a number of local projects and was poised to unveil more of its plans to support events in the weeks ahead, some of which are subject to the reopening and unlocking of the country. He added, we are still planning to support other events in Great Yarmouth during the year, subject to government recommendations and in line with COVID regulations. Meanwhile, Great Yarmouth Borough Council has confirmed its Fire on the Water event with Out There Arts is hoping to go ahead at the end of October at the Venetian Waterways. It is billed as an outdoor occasion that will showcase dramatic outdoor fire sculptures, hypnotic water projections and eye-catching art displays, allowing residents and visitors to see Great Yarmouth in a different light. Carl Smith, leader of the council, said, Fire on the Water is going to be a great opportunity for residents of all ages and abilities to get involved, from young children to local businesses. The council is really excited to have such a unique and innovative experience to look forward to. However, as the health of the public and performers is our top priority, plans for the festival are subject to government regulations and guidelines. Major damage as car collides with Starbucks on the A47. A Starbucks restaurant was badly damaged after a car ploughed into it. The incident happened on Monday, May the 17th, the first day diners were allowed back indoors under the government's lockdown exit plan. Norfolk Police said they received a call at 2.29pm reporting a black Seat Alhambra in collision with the front of Starbucks in New Road, Acle. A spokesman said the female driver was uninjured but there was major damage to the front of the coffee shop. People at the scene said drivers were stopping to take photographs. One woman said the noise was very weird. No smashing glass, no screeching tyres, just a loud boom. The restaurant is open as usual. 
a spokesman for Blackburn-based forecourt operators Euro Garages, said it appeared there was no structural damage, with mainly the glazing being affected. He said the maintenance team were looking to get it fixed urgently. He confirmed that no one was injured and the store did not have to close, adding, These things do happen from time to time and it's something we take extremely seriously. He added that the cause of the incident was genuine driver error and that he was just happy that no one was hurt and there were no customers sitting in the window at the time. New owners relaunch £650,000 Mississippi paddle boat after 18 month wait. Two couples who have fulfilled a dream by buying a Mississippi paddle boat to run Norfolk Broads cruises are finally launching after an 18 month wait. David Doherty and David Smith and their wives Francesca and Rebecca found more than £650,000 to buy the Southern Comfort Mississippi paddle boat in November 2019 when her previous owners wished to sell her and retire. Little did they know that a forthcoming pandemic plus winter months when they did not cruise would see almost no business in their first 18 months of ownership. But on Monday there was relief for its owners and passengers who were queuing up at its Horning morning by the Swan Hotel to take a trip down river, albeit still with limited numbers. The boat carries up to 150 people under normal circumstances and has been laid up since early 2020. Launched in 1977, the Comfort has been cruising the River Bure, visiting various broads, Salhouse, Ranworth, South Walsham and others, and typically does around five to 6,000 miles a year. Mr Smith and Mr Doherty have been working on the Comfort as skippers and in other roles for many years. Mr Doherty started aboard the boat doing the washing up as a boy and his wife Francesca often sings with the boat's jazz band. He gave up his role as a firefighting chief to become joint skipper and owner. Mr and Mrs Smith also had their marriage celebrations aboard the Comfort. Passengers can come as singles, families or groups and typical cruises are 90 minutes during the day or three to four hours in the evenings. Or you can put groups together for private charter events, including drinks, catering and the broads, cords, cruising jazz band, which has been aboard Southern Comfort for 35 years. This month has also seen the retirement of sax player Derek Cubitt, born in Galston 93 years ago and playing music for 77 years, 35 of them aboard the Comfort. 95 miles per hour driver hides in McDonald's toilet after police chase. A man locked himself in the McDonald's toilet cubicle to hide from police after leading them on a chase along the A47, a court heard. Curtis Murphy Seaman, 24, reached 95 miles per hour in a Renault during the case on the Acle Strait between Great Yarmouth and Brundle. 
Norwich Crown Court heard the pursuit began after Murphy Seaman was identified as not having any insurance. Ed Renvoys, prosecuting, said police pulled him over, but as one of the officers got out, he was moving along in his seat. He said the vehicle lurched forward, almost stalling, before it took off at some speed. Mr Renvoys said police chased the car, which went back around the roundabout away from Yarmouth. The defendant could be seen squeezing in between vehicles, prompting police to warn other drivers about the pursuit. Murphy Seaman reached speeds of up to 95 miles an hour along the 70 miles per hour section of the carriageway and was driving at between 80 miles an hour and 85 miles per hour in the 50 miles per hour zone. The court heard the defendant continued until he reached the Shell petrol station next to McDonald's near the Brundle roundabout. Mr Renvoy said Murphy Seaman decamped and went into McDonald's where he locked himself in one of the cubicles. But the defendant later gave himself up following the incident, which happened at about 3.45pm on February the 7th last year. Murphy Seaman of Buckingham Road, Norwich, appeared in court on Wednesday, May the 19th, having previously admitted dangerous driving. He also admitted driving otherwise in accordance with the licence and without third-party insurance. Andrew Thompson, mitigating, said Murphy Seaman had mental health issues and had a psychiatric report completed ahead of sentencing. He said the defendant appreciated it was a bit of bad driving and must not happen again. Judge Andrew Shaw said the defendant was extremely lucky no one was killed or seriously hurt. Judge Shaw said the offence had crossed the custody threshold but insisted Murphy Seaman was utterly ill-equipped to deal with prison. He was given a 12-month community order ordered to carry out 20 days rehabilitation activity requirement and he was also banned from driving for two years and ordered to take an extended retest. Enter at your own risk. Covid-driven surge sees church ruin fenced off amid safety fears. Access has been restricted to one of the county's most atmospheric and mysterious ruins amid claims it is being overwhelmed by lockdown crowds. The remains of St Mary's Church stands in the grounds of Lord Theodore Agnew's Burnley Hall Estate in East Somerton near Winterton. Tucked away in woodland, the ivy-clad medieval church is famous for its legend of which a witch being buried alive there, her wooden leg growing into a mighty oak and destroying the church in revenge. Oh, my word. <laughs> and although on private land, there has long been public access, which also allowed a wander through its woodland setting. Now, a chestnut paling fence is restricting access ground and within the building. A sign advised it has been fenced off for safety reasons and warns access may be withdrawn at any time. The move, sparked by an apparent COVID-driven rush to what was one of the county's best-kept secrets, has drawn concerns from the parish council, which is calling for the fence to be removed, 
while questions about planning permission were resolved. A dog walker at the scene said the fence had spoiled the setting and had taken away its air of mystery. However, Lady Claire Agnew said the fence was necessary to protect both the public and the building, which had suffered from a dramatic increase in visitors, with people clambering over the walls and loosening flints. No one wants anyone to be hurt and no one wants the church to fall down, she said. This is a necessary stage. The motivation for the fence came from a good place. There are more people climbing on the walls and it's not fair on the church. It's for people's safety. There are definitely more flints lying around on the floor in the past year. It's a tricky one. It's a lovely place to go. There is no sense we were wanting to keep it to ourselves at all. We are lucky to have an amazing medieval building we can visit. But that said, it cannot deal with the numbers. It's not for us to discourage people to come, but it is the volume of people. With the church, there is a particular safety issue. It had got sufficiently out of hand that fencing was needed. She said the decision to make the site more secure had been taken alongside the church's owners, Winterton PCC. Parish Councillor Ivan Wright tagged the move as disgusting and said members had asked for the fence to be removed. He said the issue had been discussed over video platform Zoom by the Parish Council, which was largely unconvinced by arguments about safety and nuisance behaviour and had asked to see a survey report although none so far has been produced. It does not look any different from when we moved here 50 years ago, he said. We're thoroughly disgusted. Chairman Richard Starling said he was willing to sit down with all parties and work with them, adding, if they provide a report, then fine, we will say OK. The ruin has been described variously as one of Norfolk's best kept secrets and perhaps the most dramatic in all East Anglia. A huge oak growing in the middle of the nave makes it more unusual than most ruins, the heavy woodland shade adding to its ghostly appeal. Visitors can still access the ruin through a gate which is reportedly locked at night. Mum gets £3,000 payout over wrongful arrest after name mix-up. A mum has told of her son's battle with separation anxiety after she was falsely arrested for a crime she didn't commit in a place she had never even visited. Laura Linnesgate from Galston has been awarded £3,000 in compensation and received an apology from Norfolk Constabulary after mix-up over her name saw police officers turn up on her doorstep on June the 22nd last year. Miss Linerskate, who works at Vauxhall Holiday Park, was watching television with her then nine-year-old son Kevin when a knock came to her door on Trafalgar Road West. And she was shocked when she learned her unexpected visitors were from Norfolk Constabulary, placing her under arrest for failing to appear at court in Bristol in 2003. However, the mum of two has never actually been to Bristol and did not even move to Norfolk from her native Lithuania until more than a year after her court date. 
Despite her protestations of innocence, officers took her into custody, with Miss Lernerskate having to call her mother to look after Kevin while she was taken away. It was quickly ascertained that she was not, in fact, wanted for failing to appear in court in Bristol in 2003, and officers were apologetic. However, the damage had been done for the 40-year-old, who also has an 18-year-old son. She said, sorry just wasn't enough. Kevin is now terrified to leave my side as he's worried that the police will come and get mummy. It really destroyed any trust he had in the police. I know the officers that day were just trying to do their job, but you do lose faith. Now, whenever I am out and about and see police officers, I get scared it will happen again. The police are there to make you feel safe but I just don't feel that way anymore. The trust just isn't there. To this day, she is unsure how the misunderstanding occurred or who the police were actually looking for. However, it is understood the mix-up happened due to her having the same first name and date of birth as the actual absconder, who also had a very similar but not identical last name. She added, I tried to explain to them when they arrested me that I had no idea what was happening, but it was so hard for me. They showed me a picture of the person they were looking for and it clearly wasn't me. I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to put this behind me. Miss Lyersgate enlisted the help solicitors Irving's Law, which issued a letter of claim for compensation for the police's legal team to consider and the force has responded to her claim by agreeing to settle her case to the tune of £3,000 plus the legal costs of her claim. Ian Kyle, who represented her, said, Although this should never have occurred in the first place, I welcome Norfolk Constabulary's decision to settle my client's claim swiftly so as to prevent an unnecessary waste of significant legal costs at the public's expense. A spokesman for Norfolk Constabulary said, this was a case of my mistaken identity in which the arrested person's first name and date of birth matched those on the arrest warrant, but the surname was similar, was different. We accept that we made a mistake on this occasion. We have apologised to the arrested person for any distress caused to her. We recognise it is important to learn from this mistake and accordingly, we have issued guidance to officers to try to ensure this does not happen again. Well, that's it from me for this week. I hope you've enjoyed the news that we've brought. Some good, well, some not so good. Anyway, take care and I hope the weather improves and we can all start getting out and about. Small steps. Anyway, take care and thank you for listening. Bye for now. That's it from this edition of Grapevine. This recording is copyright 2021 of the Great Yarmouth and District Talking Newspaper Association. The news content is adapted mainly from the publications of Archant Limited and is used with their consent. However, 
The Great Yarmouth and District Talking Newspaper Association accept responsibility for editorial decisions made for this recording. Next week's newsreader will be Aileen, and we hope that we can look forward to welcoming you once again for much more of your local news. In the meantime, from all at Grapevine, we hope that you stay safe and well, and with the news that the musical muscle man was Tony Holland, it's bye for now. Bye for now.